Hello, everybody, and welcome to Typhoon Talks, a podcast by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Michael Grady. I am a consultant here with the firm, joined by my colleagues Chen and Ayush. Welcome, guys. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. So today we're going to be tossing around some questions regarding the one of the technology applications that's been on the top of everybody's mind, very trendy in the past few years, blockchain, and in turn, cryptocurrencies in general. All three of us work quite heavily with, with fintech on a broad scope and uh, have done a lot of research into blockchain technology and the, the implementation or applications to businesses in multiple sectors. So we're just going to kind of take you through our thoughts on, on a couple aspects of the technology. Yeah, so in 2009, Bitcoin was first introduced by someone, a mysterious person named yep. Nakamoto Satoshi. And three years later, it got more adoption. But it was really over the past five years that Bitcoin has got more attention and more discussion. So some people say it's a hype. Some people say it's the future. And other people just don't care about it or they just don't get it. So to begin with, are you sh- Without getting too technical, can you explain to us what blockchain is and how it is related to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? Okay, thank you, Chen. So I'll start off uh, with a non-technical analogy of a real-life example, which can be a, a parallel for blockchain technology, which in, in, in south southeastern small island of Yap, the inhabitants have been using a form of currency. They've been using a certain type of stone, because their island lacked any precious metals like gold, copper, which they could have used for currency. But then these stones can range up to 12 feet in size, which makes it really hard to actually physically move them around. So what they basically decided was that they would, they would make the ownership distributed. So they would just tell everyone in the village that uh, I have given you this big 10 feet stone and everyone knows it. So it physically doesn't, doesn't have to move. It can be under the ocean, but then just, just because of the fact that everyone agrees that this stone has now been moved from me to you makes it uh, valid and credible. So that can act as a real-life parallel to what blockchain technology is. And how it's related to Bitcoin is that it was pretty much the first application of blockchain technology. Well, that's where it all came together for the first time. I mean, it's been under development for the last 25 years. Little parts here and there, but then that's when it first really came to life in a whole package. I think the analogy was very interesting, but it sounds to me that it's more of an analogy of money as a government credit to people. So you believe that the stone is there, and then you, you just write the numbers. Yeah. But um, I still don't think that it really tells the essence of blockchain technology. So the way I explained to my grandparents yeah. the other day, because um, they are interested in knowing this new technology, but mm-hmm. they skip the time of the internet or mobile yeah. phones. So it's really hard to explain this new idea to them. So I said, it's like I owe you $5. So one way to do it is that I write $5 on a, p- a piece of paper and give it to you and you can keep it. But if we're not family, if we're just strangers, I have the concern that you might change $5 into 5000 and yeah. claim that I owe 5000 to you. In the past, what we have been doing is to give this piece of paper to a third party like a bank or companies like PayPal. But with blockchain, everyone on the internet will keep a record of that piece of paper. So I'm not worried that you might change the number secretly because even if you 
you did, everyone else can prove that I own you $5. So I think that's a, a simpler analogy to blockchain technology. I mean, coming back to the example, that's pretty much the same idea because in this, you just tell everyone in the village knows. So that's basically how they verify it. So if, if he says, oh, no, you're giving me two stones, everyone else can just reject the idea. So similar, yeah, similar, similar idea. So it's more like a shared database. So it's, yeah, it's just like an unchangeable digital record of anything of value. It doesn't have to be just money. It can be, uh, it can be property. It can be, it can be your digital identity. It can be something you're doing on the supply chain. So it's anything of value. So it's like a record that gets stored and doesn't require a third party, as you said. Yeah, as it I, distributes I, everyone. I think both of the analogies that you guys made are actually quite useful, uh, to be honest, because. If you drill them down to the base level, they actually quite uh, explain quite well two of the main sort of value adds of using blockchain technology, right? It's anti-fraud, number one, because the record is, is final mm. on, on the blockchain, right? Yeah. So in the, the, uh, the small island of Yap <laughs> analogy, we're saying that you know, everybody in the village can see the stone and knows that the stone is there, yeah. and then also you because people know that the stone is there, you can't change the size of the stone. So it's almost the same thing as value adds that, that a lot of companies are looking, uh, especially in the banking <clears throat> sector, to, to kind of validate transactions and stuff um, from an AML KYC standpoint. Right. Mm -hmm. So there has been a lot of hype around blockchain over the past few years. We saw the price of Bitcoin goes up and down dramatically, and right now it's still below 10000 Around, yeah, around, around maybe, yeah. yeah. So, if there is so much hype around blockchain, what is blockchain really good for? I mean, as we just talked about now, blockchain in its essence is basically trying to challenge the status quo that we have right now in, in terms of how it's decentralized as opposed to centralized. So, right now, as we just talked about, everything that we transact goes to a trusted third party. So, all our there's no data transparency within. So everything, we rely on these third parties, and we've, we've seen countless times cases of fraud. I mean, recently we had the, in the U.S., we had the Equifax credit hack where like about 150 million Americans lost, got their credit um, information hacked by an external party. So there's no data transparency. These companies can do anything with it. It's all based, and there's, there's a lot of silos created. So there's like Amazon on one side, there's Facebook on one side. So uh, there's no interoperability within these systems. So when it's decentralized, everyone gets more power to for, for their data and everyone can see what is happening. So that's, that's one of the main things and it's unchangeable as we just talked about. So I heard two major benefits. One is it puts trust in the public. Yeah. And second, as a result, it introduced the intermediation so yeah, in moves, the future, yeah. when people make a financial transaction, they can skip the third party and yeah. go for the P2P process. Yeah. If blockchain is so beneficial, then why are there so many people still so skeptical about it? Yes, it's, it's, it's because quite a lot of the talk within the blockchain industry is quite technical. So for the normal common man, they just sometimes lose touch of what people are talking about. I mean, it, it, you can compare it to the internet in the early 90s when, when you know, there were a lot of similar jargon we thrown around like HTTP, IP address, et cetera, et cetera. So then I, I think what blockchain industry still needs or requires is a killer application or two, which can really help bring it to the mass. 
because right now if you have to use blockchain or anything you'll have to create an an address you know there's there's a lot of steps you need to go through and a lot of things you need to understand before you can actually use it properly so something like the world wide web or the email which yeah. was for the internet which is even if you didn't get what an IP address was or an HTTP was you could still access everything on the internet yeah. or like your little uh, metal chip on your credit card or debit cards you know you don't know what they do but then it's just you, you don't need to do you don't need to know what they do you can still use them without anything and also, there's been lots of talk in the mainstream media recently with Bill Gates saying of oh, blockchain has been directly responsible for a lot of deaths, which... Bitcoin has. Uh, okay, Bitcoin has. Or, you know, there's been cases of, of, of drug organizations being found or money laundering being found. But then those are just... I mean, those are very niche. Those are very select examples. I mean, you can find bad apples in any industry possible. I mean, these things have been happening for the last thousands of years with cash or any currency anyways. So, I mean, that's that, that discredits the all the other work that's happening in the wider industry if everyone just focuses on these small examples. That is a problem, but then that's something that can be worked upon, but not just reject the whole notion of blockchain in itself. Yeah, that's I what I think. That's absolutely true. I recall the time in the 90s when my parents were so worried about the internet <laughs> because they saw it as an area that is not regulated by the government. There are a lot of frauds, inappropriate content on the internet. And also the bandwidth issue is also a problem because mm. they can't even watch a video there. So they, f they find it useless and they don't saw the future of the internet. But nowadays, if you look around, what is not about the internet? Uber, Airbnb, without the internet, they will never come into existence. Yeah. But what people really need is a practical app to help them use the internet without really worried about not understanding what internet is, what the technology is about. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, what, one of the things that I'd like to just circle back to is the connection with blockchain to Bitcoin. And I honestly think that recently, maybe as of the last few years, Bitcoin in general has kind of given blockchain um, or kind of overshadowed some of the, the positives that blockchain technology can bring to to certain uh, organizations in the business world yep. uh, because of kind of how frothy and how uh, overbought a lot of people say it is. Yep. Um, and all those kind of uh, Bill Gates type quotes that you hear, like it's <laughs> Bitcoin has allowed, you know, drug deaths and, you know, child porn consumption has, has tripled and things like that. Um, but I think what we need to boil down to is, is Bitcoin, like I used said at the beginning, is the first kind of proof of concept that blockchain can work for a currency, mm -hmm. for an actual transfer of value, yep. um, and sort of disconnect from this notion that Bitcoin is the gold standard for how blockchain will be implemented in our everyday lives, like in the future, if you guys are following me. Yeah. I you mean, guys agree? Yeah. I mean, Bitcoin is basically just the first the first version of a blockchain. I mean, yeah. we've already seen just a, just a small concept of smart contracts that was introduced about five years after Bitcoin was, which is basically self-executing contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so but it's, it's, I just think yeah. that, that because we've seen this, if, if you look back in specifically like my knowledge is in the financial sector, if you look back at all of the the first instances of some type of 
security or like the internet, the dot-com bubble. What mm. happened during the dot-com bubble? Everything got overbought because nobody under actually understood how to value it because it was such a new technology. Yeah. What happened with mortgage-backed securities? They were great for a long time, but nobody actually understood how they were they were influencing the underlying economy. Yep. It's the same kind of thing with Bitcoin. It's because we've never seen something like it before. Um, it just it's just the uh, the classic example of of get something getting overhyped, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So now we have you know a few months ago we had Bitcoin at, at twenty thousand USD when a lot of uh, sort of cryptocurrency researchers, miners, and experts were kind of saying the 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 fair value for it was more around. I don't know, like 2,000 USD, and we saw you know high school kids piling in and and, and Bitcoin being given as a wedding gift. <laughs> so when things like this start to happen, it's in my opinion one of the the trademarks of kind of mania. Like if you if you ever look at the the um, the curve of how an asset bubble kind of develops to where. You know, you, you get to this kind of denial stage where everybody says, you know, when the price starts to drop. I think we're hitting that now where people are starting to circle back and say, you know, the underlying technology, this blockchain technology is very useful, right? But Bitcoin might not be the shining star that we we peg success to. Yeah. I think it's good that people are, for instance, giving Bitcoin as a wedding gift or they just invested in it without really knowing what it is because at least it brings the public attention to this issue and people start to study it. They do a lot of research on it and they think how I can use it in my own business. So in the next decade, where do you see the most application of this technology? Right, yeah, I, com I completely agree with most of the points you just mentioned about it being a bubble and just, just a little touch up on that. I mean, say if there's about 1,500 cryptocurrencies right now, maybe in the next 10 years, about 90% of them, similar to the tech uh, dot com boom, will probably not exist Existing still yeah. because there's no need for them. And in terms of applications in the future, I mean, it can really go anywhere right now. I mean, we're seeing applications. Obviously, it started off with the financial sector. FinTech. FinTech is started off as a currency, and then there's loads of applications within the financial sector, such as, you know, it can be for trade finance, remittances, in insurance, etc. But then we're also seeing applications being worked on and some of them are already in place outside of the financial sector so we have supply chain is one industry where i think it'll have a lot of impact because there's there's always a lot of you know a lot of cases of fake items or so you need that transparency or that traceability of where this expensive pure organic water has moved from somewhere on a different continent to over here. So, I mean, a blockchain will allow, you know, a record of all those movements. I mean, there's a, really, there's a really cool example of this company called Everledger, which is doing this, uh, uh, the tracking with blood diamonds to ensure that whatever diamonds are being used are not sourced through unethical means. Yeah, I think it has been widely, uh, it, it has been widely adopted in logistics recently, yeah. especially among big companies. Yeah. Because um, to raise a small sum of money, but none of them really understood what he was doing, and he couldn't raise any funds. So in the end, he went for an ICO, and now his business is running pretty well. I think that's one example of how this technology can facilitate the financial market. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very novel way of, of, of raising uh, capital. So it, it takes out the power from, as you said, angel investors or these sets of, of 
institutional investors. It is it's, it's essentially a, a form of crowdfunding where everyone everyone can pretty much get access to whatever exciting development a startup is working on and they get a share of it so it it basically is the idea of bringing it of distributing within the network instead basically of basically transparent it. crowdfunding yeah transparent crowdfunding yeah that's a good way to put it but i don't think icos are the way to go for every company i would agree absolutely yep um i'll, I'll just kind of pick up where you left off my opinion on icos is that if there are case studies you can do what like chan like like your buddy where you do successfully raise money in a kind of crowdfunding manner and it works out for everybody right but there on the flip side of it there are like you you gave the example of we do ipos right we do icos i think conflating the two is dangerous um just based on the underlying concept right when a company it has an initial public offering on a on a, a stock exchange there's years of due diligence that goes on by regulators, by financiers, by their venture funders, by uh, institutional investors, by the investment bank who brokers the deal, right? These are companies that IPO with, with years and years of revenue and uh, normally hashed out product lines, et cetera, et cetera, developed companies. I think when you start treating an ICO like an IPO, it becomes dangerous for the investors right? Because there are, we've seen a lot of ICOs recently that people raise money kind of in a crowdfunding standpoint, um, but they raise much more kind of because of this, this like I keep saying, froth of the cryptocurrency yep. market that they get a little bit overvalued. But in reality, they don't really have much of a business plan. Yep. And they're raising IPO level sort of market caps from an ICO. Um, so while it, it it is kind of a an interesting thing to toss around as far as a crowdfunding standpoint because crowdfunding is like the reasons you said you 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 don't have to pay the you know venture capital fees the venture capitalists don't take their big cut anymore yeah. uh, et cetera et cetera they don't tell you how to run your business all mm-hmm. you know all the the classic corny uh, you know antithesis of, of VCs but you just have to be careful is because when you hop on one of these websites you want to invest in ICO you got to make sure they have a business plan because it becomes very very easy in this day and age to raise a lot of money with very little conviction basically and that's the difference big difference between an IPO is IPO is usually a company that's you know a decade old or something yeah yes i mean i mean i i completely agree with that point so what i think in line with that point the industry needs is regulation and there's lots of talk about regulation surrounding especially ICOs whether they should be classified as securities. I mean, the SEC, and, I, and I'm pretty sure within this year, we'll see we'll see more stringent regulation of ICOs. We've already seen a big change from last year when it just went a bit crazy, to be honest. When, you know, there was, there was a new ICO every week raising 50 yeah, million. And yeah. just, when it, it, just, it just went a little bonkers. But then we've already seen it toned down a bit this year as people themselves have just self-regulated and become smarter and, and have realized that, you know, not, not every ICO is just like, but yeah, get rich quick scheme. Yeah, get, kind of thing. yeah, and also there's more regulation happening. There's already more regulatory pressure, and and so that that's one point of it, which over time will hash itself out. And the second point is that not every company should. It's it's not the same as an IPO to me because in an IPO, any company, no matter what they do, can be can can do an IPO. It just on the scale of their business, but for the for an ICO, it has to be a blockchain-related company. It has to have a token, but that that model is not applicable to every company. I feel. I mean, we've seen cases of companies this year who just attached blockchain to their name, and I've seen their stock prices go up. 
But then ICOs will remain a good way of uh, raising capital for new startups or companies in the blockchain sphere or with that can tokenize their business, but then it's not for everyone is what I think. Yeah. yeah that's a good point about, I mean, IPOs in general are more are just more accessible, right? I mean, you don't have to be like a, you know, a decade-old business, but in general, they are just more accessible. Yeah, or a specific industry type or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Is when you do an ICO, it kind of has to be warranted. So a lot of things still need to be done, including the education of the general public, the regulation of the government. If we look at the Fortune 100 companies, a lot of these companies have done a lot of education on blockchain. They understand the importance of this new technology. But what is unclear to them is how to adopt this technology internally. Should they go for the internal engineering of the technology? Should they go for a partnership with a startup? Or should they just wait and see what is going on next? In my opinion, while blockchain is, is trendy and like I said, you can you can maybe gain a dollar on your stock price by you know slapping it on some kind of earnings call or something, um, it's it really isn't tailored to every single business model, right? Just because, and I I think we see this more broader, like just in my experience with some of our clients is you read about something on the news, the CEO wants to be seen as, as some kind of digital, um, you know, digitally adopting uh, innovator, right, in, in yep. their space. But then they start looking into things that just don't make sense in their in their business model, in their industry, right? Like an art gallery doesn't need a blockchain solution, right? Um, well, some Tracking authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, like but... You could, I mean... Yeah, but the, I mean, you you have doc you have documentation though. Like what? Like you really, really an art gallery really needs. Like that's one of the things we've seen recently is they were looking into implementing some kind of blockchain uh, database. Sure, like you can track a, authenticity, but who's? But why? Why just, do they need? Just to it? cut you off on that, maybe maybe we feel it now in 2018 when it's not as yeah. accessible. Maybe five years down the line, when it becomes sure, sure. as easy as sending an email, okay. in, a blockchain database current... might just be an API you can just integrate and yeah, yeah. set up. I think that's that's a, a decent point is that it can be you know pushed out to the masses once it's more accessible. But right now, um, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of firms, um, like in my opinion, the art gallery is an example, to where they might not have the capital to hire one of these like trendy blockchain consultants to come in and implement something that they really don't need. Yeah. Right? I agree. Or um, it's, it, maybe it's something their customers don't really want. We see this a lot with chatbots on, on some of our clients is they really think it's trendy, but their customers say their customer service is fine. Right? So what's the point in spending, a, a, you know, maybe a chatbot is something you can do on a longer term basis, but um, if... If your customers aren't, you know, aggressively asking for better customer service or some kind of digitally enabled portal, uh, it's not like a one-stop shop answer always. Just fintech in general or, or, you know, digital technology in my opinion. I agree partially. I think for some business maybe at this point it's not a good idea to adopt blockchain straight away because of the high cost. It's, it doesn't make sense for them to make the dramatic business transformation. But it doesn't mean that they don't need this technology. It's more a question of the cost. At what cost can you adopt this technology? So if you look at a lot of companies these days, in real estate, in finance, in almost every industry, they are introducing cloud 
database. Mm -hmm. But a few years ago, they might say, we don't need, we have proper documentation, we have our internal server, we don't need a cloud service. But these days, what company is not using cloud service? My only counterpoint to that is, I think the, the benefits and value adds of cloud are a bit different than, uh, than blockchain. Because I think when you, when you boil down to the, the concept of a blockchain, you have to see, like, like we talked about early in this episode, is what is it actually providing? Transactional transparency, a decentralized transactional database. There are some companies with some business models that don't need that. If, you, if you're not a company that is doing transactions that really needs transparency in all your transactions, then you don't need a blockchain, in my opinion. Just to touch upon a point we didn't really talk about earlier on was that's essentially the first version of a blockchain. That's the, that's the most basic stripped-down version of a blockchain. But then what we didn't talk about was the concept of smart contracts, which allows you to program certain conditions. And if they are met... I mean, I'll give you a small example, and hopefully that... That might help uh, listeners understand a bit more. If you think of a vending machine, and if you, and if the condition states, if $5 get put into me, a can of Coke, I will let out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's basically a simple example. So you can, so companies, organizations will be able to set these types of conditions. Okay, bringing, bringing it back yeah, to yeah. a more I, business example. I understand example. that, yeah, with trade finance or, or banking. I understand that. Um, that smart contracts do have a very like uh, actionable kind of avenue that they can go down, mm-hmm. and blockchain technology in turn can be used right now in, yeah. in, in yeah. industries that have that that are centered around transactions that, that need it. Yeah. Yes, but what I'm talking about there are just other industries that might not. I just I just don't think it's it's worth the money to implement if 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 it's the the real value add like we talked about before isn't something that they immediately need. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with that on a time-based thing, as Chen was saying, but then I think maybe 10 years down the line when it's more accessible, I think pretty much every industry will be able to utilize blockchain to a certain extent. Because there's, I mean, maybe industries, exist, yeah. industries exist on transactions, be it of any kind. So yeah, great, great conversation as usual, guys. Um, before we get too much into the weeds on the, the actual definition of what a blockchain is, uh, let's kind of wrap it up and circle back to some of the key insights that we've had from this episode. Yeah, so what I think the three key insights from our, our, our discussion would be the firstly, the actual benefit of a blockchain. So it, it basically removes power from centralized authorities and third parties and just brings everything to the masses in a decentralized manner, which I think is one of its key benefits. The second thing I think for it to gain mass adoption, it still needs a killer application akin to what the WWW was for the internet. I, I still think that is lacking, but hopefully we'll see that come out in the next few years or sooner. And lastly, it's it's all the all the hype and focus just on Bitcoin and you know it's 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 an asset you can trade, earn money, all this focus on money and of it being a currency is quite limiting. I think there's a whole world of applications out there that could potentially change the way organizations work and governance is ran. Yeah, it usually takes decades for a new technology to be fully adopted by the society. But for people like us, we should see the real value of it in the future. Mm-hmm. I think those are, those are three great points to wrap up on. Um, I really like that phrase. Uh, the, the focus on Bitcoin and currency is a bit limiting. I would definitely agree that's a, it's a very snappy, punchy way to say it. Um, but that's all the time we have now. Thank you for listening. I uh, hope this conversation was insightful 
follow us on Twitter at Typhoon Buzz. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on LinkedIn. And check out our SoundCloud and iTunes pages for our other podcast episodes. Thanks.